finish somewhat this morning by um, the fact that it is the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and there are some folks who are home uh, watching reruns of the Auburn-Alabama game, (laughs) some hoping that it will turn out differently, (laughs) others just wanting to make sure nothing changes. Football is a big deal in the state of Alabama, and so is politics. In fact, there is no politics like Alabama politics. We tend toward the extremes here, overwhelmingly conservative but sometimes liberal and often with a strangeness that causes the rest of the country to shake its head in disbelief. We don't just tolerate controversy here, we create it, we generate it, we feed it, we revel in it. We are a passionately opinionated people, and often we would rather posture than prosper. And so it was a bit surprising to learn that most Alabama churches are staying out of this most recent political storm in our state. Of course, a few preachers, a few congregations are not remaining silent. They have long since decided that God is on one side of this partisan divide. God just happens to be on their side. And so they are speaking out without a trace of doubt. But most of the rest of us are holding back. We are refraining for a variety of reasons, one of which... Scripture and the Christian calendar lift before us today. Today is Christ the King Sunday. It is the last day of the Christian year. It is the culmination of all that has come before. The promise of Christ's coming, His birth, His boyhood, His baptism, His life, His teachings, His miracles his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and the promise of his coming again. Christ the King Sunday declares that most basic of all the Christian confessions, the first and foremost Christian confession, Jesus is Lord. And this seemingly simple confession speaks to the whole of who we are and what we believe what we believe about God and ourselves and all that we encounter. And so the Apostle Paul in the reading from Ephesians invites us to ponder the mystery and the majesty of Christ's Lordship. He says, I pray that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know Him so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable power of his greatness. For us who believe, according to the working of his great power, God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but in ages to come. And he put all things under his feet 
and made him the head of all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul prays for us to be able to comprehend more and more of who Jesus is. He wants us to see with the eyes of our heart. He prays us for us to perceive with the whole of who we are. What is the hope? What is the richness? What is the immeasurable greatness of God's power that is at work in and for and through us? And Paul declares that God's power has been manifested supremely in the re- resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and, to, from, and in his ascension so that Jesus holds the place of highest authority above all other powers, all other authorities, above all names. Paul is bold to say that Jesus is Lord of all. And that his lordship is recognized and received in one place, the church. This is an astonishing thing for Paul to say. For in Paul's world, Caesar has no rivals. Politically and militarily, no one rivals the Roman emperor. In the solid world of roads and buildings and armies and taxes and money and sports and brute power, the empire is everything. Rome rules. In terms of any sort of measurable comparison, the church is less than an afterthought. Yet Paul is bold to say that Caesar and his great empire do not hold a light to Jesus. Jesus, Paul says, is the source of everything. He is the destiny of all things. He is, to borrow a term from Tilliard, the omega point. Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, and in the end to which all creation hastens, all will know and all will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. And until then, it is the church that will confess that Jesus is Lord. And as such, the church is the universal locus. It is the church, not Rome, not any political power. The light of Christ burns in the church. The church lives the life and bears witness to Christ. The church is the body of Christ, the one who fills all in all. It is a bold statement for Paul to make then. It is an equally audacious thing for us to claim now. And yet that is what we say when we declare that Jesus is Lord. To say that Christ is king is to say that Christ reigns in and through his church, and not through any government of any state or through any other civil authority. 
Now, this is not to say that politics doesn't matter. It's not to say that countries don't matter. Politics does matter. Morality matters in politics. We are all affected by the laws and policies that govern us. And in our system of government, we are privileged and responsible to elect those who pass the laws and make the policies so that this government of ours needs the voice, the votes of the church. The voices and votes of church people are needed in our democracy. Even so, if we accept the transcendent reign of Christ, we understand that the lordship of Christ does not depend upon our democracy or upon any other form of government. We understand that there is no such thing as a Christian political system in this world. There are nations with Christian people, there are nations with Christian leaders, but there is no Christian nation, never has been, never will be. This is not to say that God only works in and through the church. Of course the Lord works beyond the church. We sang that wonderful hymn of St. Francis this morning that affirms how God's glory is manifested in all of creation. The Holy Spirit blows wherever God wills and breathes what, what blows and breathes wherever God wills. The work of God does not originate in the church. It is not limited to the church. And this is not to say that the church is or ever has been perfect. The church often falls prey to the tempter's offer of power. The desire for political power has often weak, weakened and warped the church. Yet for all of its foibles, for all of its failures, it is the church to which Christ has given himself. It is the church that looks for and joins the work of Christ in the world. And somehow, somehow, through God's abiding grace, the church has endured and will endure. Jesus is Lord. Christ is King If we really believe that, then we understand that we do not live and die by the vicissitudes of human politics. We live and we die and we live again by the life of the one who is the living word of God. To say that Christ is king is to say that Christ's authority is recognized in and extended through the church. But how does that happen? What is the mechanism? Where is the authority of Christ made known in the church? Is it in the great buildings of the church? There was a time in history when the church tried to project its power through its great buildings. I saw one of those buildings down in South America once. It was built in the 16th century. It was a magnificent building. It was built in the midst of all this poverty, all of this ignorance. And I couldn't help but think that that church building was built there in that way, in that place, at least partly to project the power of the church. But surely it is not in the buildings of the church. 
For there was a church before there were church buildings, and there are many churches now that do not have great buildings. Is it in the creeds of the church? Well, perhaps. But there was a church before there were many creeds. That first creed, Jesus is Lord, was the only creed for a long time. And even now, not all churches confess the same creeds. Is it in the liturgy? Is it in the authority of the clergy? Is it in the Bible? Hardly. For liturgy and clerical authority and interpretation of Scripture vary from place to place, time to time, and people to people. So where is the authority of Christ in the church? How is it manifested? Jesus gives us the answer. He says very plainly, it is in what we do for one another. Christ's reign is a hidden reign. Not in the sense of being a secret that is hidden from plain view. In fact, it is hidden in the sense that it is so plain, so ordinary, so immediate that we would miss it altogether did Christ not tell us where to look. But the Lord says that when we care for the sick, when we care for the poor, when we care for the vulnerable, we care for him. When we do something for those who are smaller and weaker than we, we do it for him. In caring for others, we care for Christ, and Christ cares for us, and that is the kingdom of God. And it is the most real thing in the world. It is authentic, true. It is the living out of the essence of Christ. You see, compassion is the currency of Christ's kingdom. For not with swords loud clashing, nor beat of stirring drums, but with deeds of love and kindness, the heavenly kingdom comes. And so we will go through this political season, as we have many before, and there will be great controversy and great passion And there will be those who are happy with the result and those who are mentally disappointed with the result. Like a football game, there'll be winners and there'll be losers. And it has been that way for generations and it will be, I suppose, until the Lord comes again. But Christ is king. And his rule and his reign transcend all of our politics. And that transcendence is not just in some ethereal, heavenly realm that is far above us. It is that, of course. But it is as close as our neighbor. I had conversation this morning with three of you who shared, we are neighbors and we come to church together. 
and we enjoy lunch, and we enjoy concerts, and we enjoy caring for one another. And that is God's kingdom. It is the Society of St. Stephen's. It is Raise the Roof. It is Meals on Wheels. It is Joy for Johnny. That's the kingdom. And that is how we enter into the lordship the authority and the eternal kingdom of Christ. It is who Christ is and it is who we are. And so I pray that we will take heart. I pray that we will not grow weary. I pray that we will be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord our labor is never, never in vain. So may it be. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.